I saw what you did. What are you talking about? Come on, Chris. Whatever you think you saw. I know what I saw. Chris, you were watching. They were gonna kill her and you were watching. Oh, I swear. You were gonna stand there and let it happen. I would never do that, Alicia. I would never do that. Why, why? Why would I ever do that? I don't know, but I'm not gonna pretend like it didn't happen. You can't tell anyone, Alicia. Please, okay? Chris, let me go. You have to believe me. Can't say anything. What if I do? What the hell are you doing? Chris, get out! Get out! We had to, man. We had to. Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz from Walking Dead Now and it is my honor tonight to welcome our very special guest Lorenzo James Henry who we all knew as Chris from Fear of the Walking Dead seasons 1 and 2. Lorenzo, welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It was uh, it was fun watching those recaps. Uh, it's been so long since I've seen it. Yeah, a little blast out memory lane there, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. So let's get started right away, man. When they were casting for Fear, being a spinoff from a very huge, successful show, The Walking Dead, was there a lot of secrecy to the auditioning process and all that? A absolutely. It was probably it was probably like top three to four most secretive things I've ever auditioned for. Just the fact that I... Um, they, they couldn't really release anything to me except for the audition scenes that I had. I knew, I knew that it was the walking dead spinoff series, but I had no real context until I got further into the, uh, you know, uh, director session stages. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, uh, now we've heard stories from various actors that they go in for auditions and they have no idea, uh, like you said, you had no idea. It was, it was a lot of secrecy. Uh, all you knew was it's sort of like a Walking Dead spinoff. When, I mean, was it when you got the role that you found out what it was? No. So so I knew that it was a Walking Dead spinoff going in. Um, going, I can't remember going into it or maybe later later into the, into the auditions um, uh, phases of the process. But... Um, I, I literally only had my audition scenes to base anything. And as an actor, you always want um, context to what you're doing. So that way, you know where you're at in the, in the, in the arc of the, the series. Um, but I, I, I knew very little, but I thought, I thought that was exciting. Yeah. So um, it really brought a, I thought a freshness and a rawness to the audition process. Cause you can have more fun with it really. All right. So now you got the part. All right, you uh, you are going to be on the first ever spinoff of The Walking Dead. I'm sure you knew how popular The Walking Dead was, 
did that freak you out? You know, it, I did. I, I, it was so surreal going, you know, cause, cause meeting everyone, they just, you know, you, you go from auditioning to booking the series and then all of a sudden you're on set. So it was just, I really had no processing of the gravity of it until I was really, um, in Comic-Con that, that summer after we finished production and then seeing, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people and fans there. Um, so I, I really, I, I didn't have time to process how insanely massive and awesome uh, the Walking Dead universe is. Oh, man, that must have been so exciting. Now, did they give yep. you an idea as to how long your character was going to last on the show, or they it was all up in the air in the beginning? Um, they, they did. They, I knew, I mean, legally, I knew I had uh, two seasons, um, but anything after that, there was nothing contractually I was obligated to or they were obligated to keep me in. Okay. Okay. Now, how far in advance did you find out that your time on the show was coming to an end? Um, so they brought me in season two uh, during the Easter break. Okay. Yeah. And they told so you it gave me it gave me it gave me some time to um, you know before everyone knew it was it was really uh, gracious the way they handled it. And I know that the current seasons of Fear are shooting in Texas. Where was uh, where did the original shooting take place for the first couple of seasons? So we shot season one in Vancouver and Los Angeles. Wow! And then we shot season two in uh, Rosarito, Mexico, Baja California. Awesome! Awesome! Yep. Uh, now Chris was such a complex character. Obviously, many different layers to 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 himself. Uh, now, Nick's character, played by Frank Delane, mm -hmm. uh, states to his mom that he finally belongs in the world that he is currently living in. Why do you feel Chris felt like such an outsider, even though he did have family that loved him and was trying to accept him? Why did he feel like such an outsider? I, I think Chris felt like an outsider going into the zombie apocalypse uh, because of his family, the 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 setup of his family, um, the the break, the the wounds of his family. Um, I don't think he really felt like he belonged belonged at school. Um, I think he was still grieving with the separation of his parents, with yeah. uh, his dad Travis and his mom. Mm -hmm. um, so I think going into the apocalypse, that's like the worst thing that could happen for this teenager that's dealing with family issues that never got resolved. Um, I think if, if there was resolutions prior to the, the zombie apocalypse, then maybe he would have had a better head on his shoulders, but take all that teenage angst, take all that, those prior wounds and then throw the zombie apocalypse. And then you get this character that you don't know where he's going to go. And I, oh, we seem to have lost him. Let's see if we can get him back. Uh, oh, here we go. Bear with me, guys, one second. Lorenzo, are you there? Oh, hold on one second, guys. I apologize for this. The beauty of the internet and technology. 
Hello, hello. Hey, sorry, we lost you there. There we go. We got you back. Is that my? Uh, I, no, it's okay. It's okay. That's the beauty of live shows. Stuff like this happens yeah. all the time. So don't worry about it. So um, now you shared some amazing screen time with uh, Cliff Curtis and Elizabeth Rodriguez, who uh, play Travis and Liza, your mom. Uh, what were you guys' interactions off camera uh, to try to stay in character as much as you can? Um. I don't, you know, speaking personally from my, my perspective, but I don't think, I, I know Cliff has his own acting method, but our, our relationship off camera was family and <clears throat> meeting Elizabeth and Cliff right away, they took me in as someone they knew for the past 20, 30, like working with them off camera was, I, I miss working with them. It was just a great family dynamic. They really embraced that. And we, it, I think it, I think it worked for on screen when we actually, when they said action. Uh, absolutely, the interactions between you, your character Chris, and Travis were some of the best. You guys played off each other so amazingly. Well, Cliff and is so so brilliant. Cliff is Cliff was, uh, it was a treat to work with him. It was I, I never went to film school or uh, acting school, and and working with him was like I had a. a Front row of masterclass acting. Yeah, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. Um, do you know where in the casting process were you cast towards the beginning, middle, or end of when they were rounding up the you know the original gang of characters? You know, I think I was towards the end. I okay. think I was towards the end of the process, and and honestly, I've never as an actor you. It was during pilot season, which is when you get a bunch of auditions for TV shows and you and you hope that this one show that you get is going to go on forever. And um, as an actor going into this, knowing that the show was already picked up for two seasons, um, I auditioned for it, had a director session like the next week. It went by so fast that I, I it was so surreal how fast it happened. Wow. Um, Wow, and and all the actors that you know, if there's anyone watching this, they know how how fortunate someone has to be to have that quickness of something going, because um, otherwise you have to wait for uh, the network to test the series to see if it even works. So that way they know they're spending money for ten episodes or twenty episodes. But this show was boom picked up for two seasons, which was surreal as an actor. Oh yeah, it's almost unheard of right away. But yeah, I mean that's <laughs> awesome. Now. Would you say that you already mentioned all the stuff that Chris was going through uh, mm -hmm. pre-apocalypse, during the apocalypse? Was Liza's death, your mom's death on the show, Chris's mom's, the turning point uh, in the post-apocalyptic world for him? A absolutely, one hundred percent. That was his. That was his catalyst to season two. Um, I think that's what created his character arc with his father. And with his trajectory of where he went off, obviously separating from the group, but absolutely, I think that was never uh, for Chris. I don't think that was ever resolved, and I don't think he ever saw eye to eye with Travis. And I, um, obviously, if he had more time, both characters had more time, maybe they could have saw eye to eye or yeah. resolved that that character that that wound. Do you think he held a grudge? I mean, that he that it was Travis that put down Liza. After you know she was dying, 
I think so, because there's a specific scene I can't remember where, but um, I believe my character said he, you, I could have saved her. Mm-hmm. So I think I think you know the innocence of a teenager. He thought you know even though she got bit, you don't kill her. Yeah, you know. Yeah. At least let her turn into a zombie. She's gone, and then kill her. But yeah. I think uh, the writers from cleverly, my- cleverly had that dynamic going. Yeah, I could totally see that from a teenager's perspective. You're like, you know, what? There's a way to save her. We just haven't figured it out yet. So I could totally see that. Now, if you look at your character arc on the show from Mm -hmm. a viewer's perspective, do you truly believe that Madison, Nick, and Alicia could have done more to make you feel like part of the family than what they already had done? 100%. I think from a viewer's perspective, yes. I, I think, um, yeah, I really think so. I think I think Madison did the most. I, I believe she made the efforts because she was in love with Travis. Yeah. Um, and that me and me and uh, Kim had really awesome scenes actually together in season two. Um, but I, I don't think in season two there was much interaction really with Chris and Nick and and Alicia. Yeah. Yeah, it was but, more circumstantial. And we saw that with Madison's character from the beginning while you were there and even the ep- the season that followed your death as well. She always liked to give people the benefit of the doubt, the chance. And, you know, she d- really did try to reach out and accept Chris and make Chris feel as part of her family. Now, break down that dramatic scene on the farm when Chris takes the life of a boy uh, by shooting him in front of Travis. What was that like shooting uh, with everybody that was involved in it? What did you do? What did you personally do to get in that mind frame to shoot that scene and so on? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first of all, when you're, when you're shooting a TV show, it's back to back to back to back to back to back to back. So you're sort of in the rhythm of where you are in the episode. At least that's how I experience things. Um, so as far as preparation, I, I, I mentally I was prepared. Um, but from a from a safety standpoint, from a product, I mean from a production standpoint, it was the highest level of safety. Um, all the, uh, the the stunt people made sure to make everyone feel super super protected, super secure. That they you know. The, the prop gun that was cleared, everything was very safe. No one felt uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, as an actor preparing for that scene and, and, and on the day, it, it's kind of funny, man. Acting is, is uh, you can prepare all you want, but then once you're there on the day, your senses smell everything, you see everything, you, you, you build off of the actors that are there. So it's sort of like, when you're acting, it, it comes alive on set, and you, it just, it just, uh, it just, you just, it permeates everything. Gotcha. Um, uh, so it's, I'm not saying it was easy, but uh, the way the the way the production and just being part of it, it was, um, it was easy. It was, it made me act better. Yeah. I totally um, understand. So, I mean, I, I get you. I totally understand. Now, that act of uh, Chris killing that boy, for me, I, as a fan of the show and as a viewer and all that, for me, that was the point of no return for Chris. He had a line. 
His father was begging him not to cross it. He did cross it. Um, is that how you played it out? Like this is, I mean, you knew obviously as yeah. the actor what was going to happen to Chris. Yeah. Uh, did you have that in your mind that this is the the line, this is the point of no return for character, for the totally. character of Chris? Totally. I I think uh, I did it. I did it. We did it like five or we did it a bunch of times. The the shooting and then the reaction of Chris. And um, Cliff is Cliff Curtis is so awesome. I wish they would have used the take that he Cliff off screen always. I would always go to him for notes, or he would always like tell me, you know, do this, do that. Um, and of course, you know, the director ultimately has the authority. Um, but one take that because we were doing it a bunch of times, and one time Cliff comes up to me and he says, "Smile," <laughs> and I was like, "What?" And he goes. And he says, smile and enjoy it. And I was like, I would never think that because it's such an intense scene. It's serious. You're, you're psychologically, you're doing something contrary to what you would ever do. And then that little cookie that C Cliff gave me, it would have changed the trajectory of Chris's character. He would have been like this big bad villain. Yeah. Which, he, he, you know, people said he was. But um, if they would have taken that take of me just smiling, I think that universe would have had something to worry about wow i'm just i'm remembering that scene and i'm you know just trying to picture chris now were you smiling as he pulled the trigger just before or after 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 wow you're right it would have made you into uh at that point you would have been villain number one you know because it, it, it would have changed the trajectory of the character arc if if they saw if that's what they, where they wanted to go Wow. Because I, I think even the take they used was the natural trajectory of someone doing that. Uh -huh. um, and it was very serious. But if they would have uh, done something different, like the, the note that Cliff gave me, it would have just, people would have been like, what? Yeah. We did not <laughs> yeah. see that coming. Yeah, exactly. Now, how did they shoot that uh, truck crash scene? Uh, how much of that was you? How much of that was stunt doubles? Uh, it was majority stunts. It was majority stunts, and uh, I actually saw it on the day live. All the actors sort of stood, you know, we had a front seat. The guy that did it, I, I respect stunt people so much because he actually did that. They they had the car rigged. He had a helmet. Uh, did he have a helmet on? But it was, I, I made sure to, like, go up to the guy make sure he's okay it was it was pretty scary uh watching it live but it looked good it looked good it looked great it looked amazing uh now let's move on in an episode uh, that's called not fade away why do you think madison believed chris when travis did not about someone out of the safe zone trying to signal someone using morse code basically madison believed you your father did not why do you think that was the case? Um, I thought Madison believed me because I think she was more open and Cliff or Travis was more closed minded at that situation because that was season one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think Travis was more closed minded at that point. And then Madison, I think, was trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Yeah. Um, versus Travis was trying to like solve things and and it's okay, it's okay, but but Madison was more the um, let's look for the next clue type of a character. 
Yeah. So I think that's why she took it seriously. Uh, you know, I don't have this as one of my questions, but I got to ask, when I saw the pilot on TV, I was very intrigued. And, you know, as a fan of The Walking Dead, now I'm watching the spinoff series, I'm trying to gauge every character out. And I never would have guessed that Kim Dickens, Madison's character, would end up being, you know, for lack of a better term, the Rick Grimes of Fear the sure. Walking Dead. Uh, how did you feel about that? I mean, Kim is an, she's legendary. She's such an amazing yeah. actress. Uh, how did it feel being around her and oh, the presence it, it, that she brought to the, to the set? Like I said, uh, I didn't go to acting school. I didn't go to, I didn't go to film school. Being around Kim was like my master class. You know, it was, it was truly humbling how amazing she was. Um, she's a, I consider her a friend, um, dear friend. And the way that she treated me on and off set was just, uh, I think if I could sum it up in one word, it'd be classy. Yeah. Yeah. She was a class act, a, a, um, a veteran, um, her and Cliff were our captains. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was just a joy to, to watch her with so many other series under her belt. Um, sort of show the younger people the the ropes that's awesome um, that's, yeah I, I miss i miss kim i miss all those guys that is so awesome now in an episode uh you and alicia get into a house and trash it okay <laughs> uh, you get in there it's <laughs> and just trash it uh did you and alicia uh have fun shooting that scene together it was hard to act because we were having so much fun <laughs> yeah it was it was a lot of fun and I don't know if they used this in the in the actual show, but was there there was a snake they brought in, like almost a huge, huge, huge snake um, that they I don't think they used it for the real footage, but they were going to put that, a snake yeah. in the house and and they had people the animal caretakers bring snakes and me and Alicia were hanging out with snakes prior to the shooting and I can't stand snakes, but they helped me get over that fear of snakes, um, but. It was it was a lot of fun. We broke a lot of fake stuff. Oh man, that is so cool. Uh, now the relationship that your character uh, had with uh, with Alicia was very bizarre. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To say the <laughs> least, uh, she was sort of technically your stepsister. Now, do you believe Chris liked her more than just a stepsister, or did he at some point? I would say around season two start to focus all his anger that he had at the Clarks. It was really focused to Alicia. So did he like her beyond the stepsister or did he, was she just a focus of all his anger? I think in season one, uh, you, you know, I, that's a, it, it was very awkward. Like you said, it was mm -hmm. very confusing. Um, but I think the, the awkwardness and the confusing hit on all of the, 360 senses and feelings someone that's going through this might feel because oh he might be attracted to her, he might like her but then he changes you know his anger towards his dad so i think season one uh i think there was a slight temptation of maybe liking her but then his overarching theme his overarching character in season one wanted to prove to his dad that he can be his own his own person his own man and then season two i think yeah, exactly. He, he this this wound and this anger happened with Alicia, and they they really didn't 
there was really no scenes to give them anything to to point towards in a uh, a love interest or something. I don't. There was no. There was nothing yeah. season two that our characters had to go with. Um, and I don't think. I, I don't think her character was there either. I mean, she had the that couple episodes with the. Um, she had a love interest in a couple episodes of season two, but then that went nowhere. Are you talking about uh, the the guy who was on the radio, the boat guy yes, who pirated? Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they were ever planning to to go there. I think it was just a, you know, like a the temptation. You know, it's gotcha. It wasn't there. Gotcha. Very well said. Now, would you agree with the statement that Chris's character was written in in a way that you're either gonna love him or <laughs> hate him, but you are definitely not gonna feel indifferent to him? Is that how you feel the character was written? Because one hundred percent, yeah, that's 100%. exactly how you played it, man. I mean, one hundred percent, my character was written to hate Kiris. Um, I think season one, it was a little undefined. Um, honestly, from an actor standpoint and what I knew, I didn't. Uh, that it, I don't think you hated Chris as much as you hated him season two. Um, so Chris could have gone, honestly, as an actor, when I was going into season two, I thought, oh man, maybe him and Travis are going to be the heroes of season two. So I was, you know, excited to talk about the writers and the showrunners about that. But then they went, obviously there's, there's another way you can go, which is being the most hated character on the show. Um, and you know, I'm an actor. I got to do what, what I'm getting being paid to do. And you got to love it. Um, Cliff Curtis was a huge, um, Cliff, Cliff was my biggest champion because, you know, as an actor, as a, as a person on a series, you, you want your character to be liked. I think that's natural as a human being. You want to be liked. Um, but once, once he really explained to me that there, there has to be that person on a show or on a movie, then, then I just embraced it and it was full on, okay, we're doing this. Um, and, and, and just to parse that out a little more, it was really understanding who you were on the team, like on a basketball team or a hockey team. Like you're either defense, forward, uh, right wing, left wing. Gotcha. And Chris was that character that had to understand his position to really make it um, the proper role on the team. I, I totally get it. And I've spoken to a lot of actors who felt exactly just like how you described, but they all say by, by the end of their time as a bad guy, <laughs> They enjoy it more. It's a lot more fun to play. Did you find yourself saying, you know what? Being the bad guy, acting as the bad guy is not so bad. It's pretty fun. Totally. I, I think, yeah, I, I only so far as I think that it's only fun for me to play the bad guy only so far as the bad guy gets bad consequences. Because mm-hmm. um, otherwise, from a story perspective, from an actor's perspective, your character arc isn't closed. Um and I think I think that um, it would have been more fun, I think, to string along that Chris as the big bad, the villain. Maybe he's still out there. I don't know because you don't really see his death. It's <laughs> told to someone's perspective, which I'm sure we'll probably get into that later on. But yeah. um, uh, it was fun. It was fun. That's where Cliff was really helping me embrace that character because he's played so many villains in so many movies. Um, so he was able to help me. Uh, see things that I wouldn't normally see as an actor. That's awesome. Now, uh, I assume you got a lot of various mixed results from the fans in the, in the <laughs> regards of uh, fan mail. But I'm also going to guess, I'm going to go out on a limb here, 
that you also probably receive some sympathetic uh, messages. People that, uh, you know, in real life, dealing with parents, divorcing, mother, father, going with someone else, and they connected with Chris on a personal level. Did you get uh, a lot of those? You know what? Yes, I did. Absolutely, I did. I would I would go to these conventions um, while I was on the show, and uh, of course, you know, I would say 70% of the time you got people that said, why did you do that, Chris? I hate you. I, you should have listened to your dad. Um, but then the other 30% were people that understood who Chris was, that were going through similar issues, that were going through, you know, divorce and, and issues with their parents. And that's where it bums me out because I'm like, I wish, I wish we could have had more time with Chris or with the parents to speak to those, those people that don't get spoken to in other TV shows. And um, I, I love talking to those, to anyone that wants to talk about Chris at, at, you know, in person or at conventions. So it was a joy for me to, to meet that 30% that really did embrace the character and like the character. Because I got to say, personally, I did not hate Chris. Uh, I mean, okay. you know, I, uh, uh, I, I felt sympathetic. I felt bad for him. You know what I mean? Sure. You, I mean, I totally got he was confused, but I definitely did not hate Chris. I knew, I'm like, oh my God, you're making so many stupid moves <laughs> here. You know, there were times Absolutely. where I just wanted to reach through the screen and wring Chris's neck and, you know, bring him back to reality. But I, you know, he was just such a, a character that evoked so many different emotions yeah. And sometimes all throughout the course of a single episode. Um, now, do you feel that Chris's death was deserved based on the decisions that he had made up to that point? Um, that's uh, that's yeah, a tough one. I, I, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I think like I think in a couple of questions ago, I was saying I like playing the bad character so long as the bad consequence happened. So. In a very short answer, I would say yes, because he went off and he, you know, he became this bad guy, um, and he, you know, you get what you, you deserve, sort of a thing. Um, but I also think there could have been, which there still might be room for, um, Chris, Chris still being out there, still, still having room to play with his character arc, because um, it could have served for a better ending, you know, and whatever yeah. they want to do in the series, you know, they. They need they need that big bad they need that big villain and it, it, you could have explored more of Chris to understand a resolution than maybe him dying I don't know dying at the season seven or what season six or whatever yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, it would have been it would have been fun personally and selfishly to explore that character more but I'm at peace with them thinking that Chris is dead at season two okay and you never know what the future will bring now when chris sees madison fighting with a walker he doesn't help uh was this would you say out of fear or did he want a part of him want madison to get bit and die and suffer the same fate that his own mother did i think totally out of fear that's the way i was playing it as an actor okay. and that's the way that i that i talked to the writer um the writer and it's so hard as an actor to portray those emotions on screen like that yeah um so i think i had to stick to something and that's what the writers gave me um 
so yeah, that sorry, it's a quick answer, but yeah, I think it was out of fear. No, it's a perfect answer. Sometimes the shortest yeah. answers are the best one. Now, no, I remember, I remember that because it was, it was a we. I remember where we shot that. I remember that scene, and um, it, it was totally a confusing thing for me as an actor. But then once I got clarity from the, the you know, the the producers and writers, it was. Uh, I, I was committed. <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna we're gonna get to a question later on uh, about another th project that you were on, but as yes, far sir. as TV shows go, was Fear the Walking Dead the one that probably had the biggest budget that you had been on so far? Totally. Uh, TV show wise, yes. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I say that, that was... because I know you were on Star Trek, and we're going to get to that yeah, yeah, in a that little was, bit. That was a big movie. Yeah, 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 and I know that definitely outweighs uh, fear. But for TV production, did you go in there uh, having active for you know you were active for you've been acting sure. since what eleven? Uh, younger, younger than that, like yeah, five, yeah. six, something like that. So. Uh, were you amazed at the sets that they had set up as opposed to doing everything all CGI? So what's kind of special about Fear the Walking Dead was, so it was shot in Rosarito, Mexico. They built, they, they, if you've ever been, it's where they shot the Titanic. Oh. They built the sands, James Cameron built his soundstage studios out there. And there's been, you can build, the people that go down there usually build their own cities and towns. Wow. What's cool about this was a year prior or two years prior, my brother, David Henry, shot a movie called Little Boy in Rosarito. And when I got on set, because I've been there before, I visited uh -huh. my brother on set when they were shooting, it was all, they used so many of the same things that my brother used on set. Wow. So I remember driving the golf cart around the studio and I was sending videos to the producers that my brother shot the movie with and sending it to David. And I was like, the circle of life, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm back here. Um, shooting him shooting a show where my brother was here so it was kind of like uh, you know the stars the stars aligned I know it came um, full circle it came full circle but I, you know I've, I've it was it was um, it was definitely one of the biggest budget shows I've ever been on um, and I think from the CG's perspective I've never you know I did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right after that but prior to that I've never experienced the technicalities with you know when you're doing the action sequence it has to be done twice because you do it with the fake prop and then you do it with the prop that has the green on it to CGI things, you know, that way it can yeah. stab the zombies and stuff. So um, that was that was a, a, a learning curve for me because you just, you know, you got to follow the directions and do it and, and, and you got to make it look like you're acting. So it was it was awesome. It was really awesome. That is so cool. Now, um Chris sees Madison, uh, you know, and Alicia asleep, and he picks up a knife on the yep. nightstand. He is interrupted by a gunshot. It, by the look that you played that scene on your face, it looks like you, Chris was not there. You were like zoned out. So what can you tell us? What was going through Chris's mind when he picked up a knife and walked into where Madison and Alicia were sleeping? It was deer in the headlights. His intention was not to hurt or harm anyone. He got caught doing something that they didn't understand his intention. Mm -hmm. And that's why he booked it right after that. G gotcha. Because gotcha. He, was he was embarrassed. He was scared. Yeah. When Alicia yeah. told him to get out, he was, he was totally scared. Um, he was scared. When Chris was talking to Travis and said, this is how it works now. Look around. 
There is no more good. There is no more bad, right or wrong. It's us or them, kill or be killed. Yep. Uh, with Chris being so young, why do you think he took on such a grown-up, cavalier attitude at such a young age? I think that was the fulfillment of his character arc. So he felt like he was... You know, we talked about this a lot uh, with the producers and the and the showrunners, and that was the moment where Chris was the dad and Travis was his son. Mm-hmm. That's the way that he. That's the way I was told to do the to do that scene and to do the uh, that that intention. So that was the moment where checkmate, Travis. Yeah. You're in my you're in my world now, and you either follow me or you don't. Um, so that that was. Um, that was a fun scene to play with Chris, uh, with with Cliff, because he, uh, we we had fun. Me and me, me and me and Cliff had so much fun doing that stuff. That is so cool. Uh, now you played, like I said before, Chris exceptionally well. Would you have liked to have seen uh, Chris change at some point to a more, for lack of a better term, likable character before his death on the show? Maybe a little bit of redemption. Um, I. I mean, yeah, but I also I think my main my main thing would be I would have liked to see him more as the villain and then the demise because he was I think there was at no point of return for Chris to become likable. So I think I think they could have had more opportunity to see him as the villain and maybe you know that last minute deathbed change of life. And then you like him, and then he dies, and you're like, "No, don't die." Yeah. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I was so I was so pot committed to the unlikableness of Chris that it's hard for me to even think about the likability of someone like a Nick or an Alicia. That it would just I would have to unwind so many years yeah. of of acting to even think about that. But from what we do see on the Walking Dead universe, redemption is possible. Now, let's say yeah. Chris did survive the accident. You're right. We don't really know. Um, would that have been the wake-up call that he needs to say, whoa, what have I been doing? The wake-up call he needs to maybe start changing his ways. I think from a story perspective, I think that that closeness from to, to death would have waken him up. I think it would have taken something like that to slap him in the face to change his life. Just sort of like sort of like um, with with Nick's character with uh, Frank, it, he had to he had the apocalypse was his catalyst to becoming clean and yeah. sober. Yeah. So Chris never had that that inciting incident to make him clean and sober. He had a he had a catalyst to make him dark and angry and villainous. Mm-hmm. So maybe it would have taken the opposite extreme of his uh, of his character arc, like a like a near death experience, to be like crap. I, 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 I saw I saw the light. You know, I, I I need to go. I need to help. I need to fix this. I yeah. need to fix this. And then he could have gone back with Travis um, and and the gang. Man. Oh, got his, oh. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never you know. know. You're right. You never know. Uh, so what was your initial reaction when you, uh, they said they told you over Easter break, uh, yep. when you get the script and you see how your death is going to come, uh, how do you feel about the death that they gave you on the show? You know, maybe, maybe it was part of my, uh, my, my, uh, pitch to them, but I, it actually, I think it was my pitch to them. 
when they when they brought me in to tell me that you know Chris isn't gonna go past season two, all I said was please uh, don't have me go in the zombie the don't put the zombie makeup on me because I just didn't want to get you know I see I see everyone there they they which is awesome they sacrificed they they spent hours putting on these prosthetics and everything and um, I was like just just one to the head and then I'm done. <laughs> and and I said, please just give me that request. And you know what? I, it, maybe I said something. Maybe it was easy writing. But that's when you see, you know, the the camera pulls off, and then Chris gets shot. Yeah. Uh, so which sort of leaves, like we said, the the it it could you know he didn't turn into a zombie, which no. that that's a death. Um. So you never know. Maybe they got something going on in the Walking Dead universe. You never know. That is true. And not just the death scene, that whole sequence of events that followed your, you know, preceded your death scene mm -hmm. was an awesome sequence, you know, with oh, the okay. truck, the crash, you kicking your way out, crawling, and then they come over you. And of course, their mentality, he's going to hold us down. Let's kill him. Uh, now, it was a great, it was a great, it was, they shot it really well. Uh, absolutely. Do you believe there was more to Chris's story uh, that needed to be told that they maybe cut it too short? I, per, yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, I think they could have, I think they could have done more with Travis and Chris. Um, I, look, I'm a sucker for father-son storylines. Those are some of my favorite movies and TV shows are father-son storylines. So I, I personally would have liked to seen. Travis and Cliff go on, or Travis and Chris go on more. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think you could have you could have had more awesome little golden nuggets with those character arcs that could have contributed to the the main cast as well and the and the overarching Story. themes and character arcs. Gotcha. Now, what was your favorite scene to shoot on the show? Like, is there one that really particularly stands out to, in your mind? Um, let's see here favorite it's kind of hard to favorite one because it's all serious um well how about I, the most fun i would say oh man we had a lot of fun crap oh uh, i think anytime we were on the boat as a full cast it was kind of like everyone was you know jamming getting together singing dancing um but i can't really pinpoint a scene because I, I there's so many awesome moments in, gotcha. in, in working with everyone now, when you guys were on the Abigail, the name of the yacht, was that yep. actually shot out at sea? You know, not obviously out in the middle of the ocean, but was it a set of some sorts? So, like I said previously, it was shot at Rosarito Studios, which they shot the Titanic there. That's yeah. where James Cameron set up uh, the scenes for the, the, the Titanic. And we built a fake yacht that uh, it was actually meant it was it was so that way they could cut costs but also shoot around the ocean um we filled the whole soundstage with water ocean water wow. and they would just to get different shots they would you know pull the abigail it looked like a yacht but it, it was on like a pontoon um and it was it that was an experience shooting on that that was really cool that is cool. Uh, I would have. They had they had like uh, the the Mexican um, SEAL team there. Wow, wow. Yeah. Um, do you still keep up with the show at all? I I I'm terrible. I I don't. That, <laughs> I, that, yeah. Now, does it surprise you that from the original cast 
only three members still remain on the show, and that would be uh, Coleman Domingo, uh, Alicia, Alicia, and Ruben Blades, who we're going to get to in a little bit as well. Uh <laughs> Does it surprise you that those are the, the only three still standing? Uh, it doesn't. No. I, I mean, maybe Ruben, Ruben's a rock star, so maybe uh, knowing his his schedule outside of Fear the Walking Dead, I know that Ruben's a rock star and, and lives this secret rock star life. Not secret, but he's he's a he's a Latin American musician sensation. Um, so uh, it really doesn't, because because Ruben's a pro. Any anyone take take anyone take take Cliff take take Kim um, take Mercedes. I, it, it wouldn't surprise me if any of them were the last three because everyone's a pro. Um, but you know, I think there was something special about uh, um, Coleman's character when Coleman came on set. He was so they brought Coleman in episode six, season one. And, every, and all the actors, we all knew this Strand character was a mystery. They wrote it so brilliantly. And uh, Coleman just, they threw the softball up and he knocked it out of the park. Oh, he's amazing. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. Uh, Coleman was uh, a dear friend and he was very awesome. And then Alicia is just amazing. Uh, great actress, great person. Um, and, and Ruben, again, you always need a rock star on the show, right? Ruben is amazing. When did you find out that Kim had left the show? Um, so I, I found out when I think when everyone else found out. Um, I didn't expect it. Nobody um, did. Nobody did. I, yeah. I didn't expect it. I, I I knew when I knew Cliff Cliff was gonna. I knew when he was gonna die. Um, like I said, we're we're good friends, and he he called me, and he's like. Uh, uh, Travis is going to be joining uh, Chris in heaven. <laughs> and I was like, what? Um, sorry, I can't do a New Zealand accent if my life depended on it. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I didn't expect Kim's character to die. Um, and, you know, uh, I think Frank's is a little different story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, now, going back to Ruben Blades, you're right. He is a rock star. He's amazing. Uh, what was your personal experience just working with them? You, you explained, uh, you know, with uh, Curtis and Kim and Elizabeth. I mean, what was what was Ruben like? Ruben was like, uh, uh, Ruben, he was awesome. He we grew up in similar cultures, uh -huh. that Latin American culture. So, so it was like we knew each other. Like we we grew up with the same type of respects of life and everything. From a personal perspective, so him him seeing me on set, it was like it was like I work was working with someone I grew up with. Um, so he was he was very respectful, um, and you could see the professionalism of his. You know, he's a musician. Mm -hmm. You can see that perfection on set, um, which was really cool to see. Um, but also him having expertise outside of acting was cool to see because you know. A lot of it is hitting your mark, knowing your lighting, knowing audio, and he knew those things because he's he's a musician. Mm -hmm. um, so he was he was a good, sweet guy, very very humble. I remember one time we were at dinner with everyone, the majority of the cast. I don't, um, and we're at we're in Rose, we're in Valle de Guadalupe, at this vineyard eating dinner, and obviously all the workers there know who Ruben Blades is. 
and his song pops up on the radio at the restaurant. Oh. And everyone starts singing Ruben's song at the table, <laughs> and then all the employees. And Ruben was so shy, he didn't want anything to do with it. And then finally he starts singing, and that was probably one of my favorite times on set with everyone, was when Ruben started singing his own song in, in just the most humble and sincere way. Ah, I would have loved to been a fly on that wall. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. Let's switch gears to Star Trek, okay? You played yes. a young Vulcan who was bullying a young Spock. How did you, yep. how did you get that role? Uh, again, when the stars align, they just sort of happen. It's so, it's so surreal as an actor to, to get a role. Um, but it, it, you know, I, I had an audition for Star Trek again, super secretive, no script. You just showed up and you auditioned for the role. And, um, to be honest with you, there were several, uh, Vulcans that were bowling the young Spock. And I thought I was, I guess they booked three actors and they were going to figure out which actor was on was going to be a certain character, but I thought I was going to be one of the different Vulcans. Um, and we trained for several weeks, had to, they took us through like Vulcan school, kind of like they take uh, zombies yeah. in The Walking Dead in zombie school. Yeah. And we learned how to fight like a Vulcan. They brought us into Paramount for several weeks, trained us with the stunts. And JJ uh, Abrams was on set with our scenes. And that was, that was one of the most memorable things in my acting career was working with J.J. Abrams. Because, you know, they a lot on a lot of these big movies and even TV shows like our show, they bring in second unit directors because it's more for, you know, the secondary plot storylines, the BC storylines, uh -huh. which are important but not the, the main storylines. Um, so I for sure didn't think I'd be working with the J.J. Abrams. And he was there on set directing us. He even showed up for my my what's called ADR. It's for voiceovers when you don't catch it on set. You go in, you loop it at a soundstage, uh -huh. and then they edit it into the characters. That way it sounds like you said it normally. Uh -huh. He was there. He was at my ADR sessions wow. coaching me. And I was like, JJ freaking Abrams. JJ Abrams. Actually, that was like my next question. What the hell was it like working with JJ Abrams directing you? It, it was like... It's like working with Cliff and, 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 and Kim, these these veterans that are just, you know, huge actors and, and JJ's obviously a huge director, but it was it, it, it was uh, too short. I wish we could have I wish I could have had a bigger bigger role and, and, and a lot more time with him because he was he was a master at his craft and watching him was 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 awesome. It was a fantastic movie. It was an it absolutely was. great reboot of the Star Trek. Uh, moving forward in uh, your career, besides acting, is there any other roles that you want to seriously pursue as a maybe a producer, writer, mm -hmm. director, or is acting the way you, what you want to stick to? You know, it's kind of it's kind of crazy because after Fear the Walking Dead, my so my brother and I. With my dad, we, we have a we have a we have a TV and film development company, ah. and you know, as an actor, it's only so often that you get auditions for shows like uh, the Fear of the Walking Dead or My Brother Wizards of Waverly Place. It's it's so it doesn't come around every day, so getting a role is kind of like a mini miracle. You never know when it's going to happen, and you know, because we were young and we grew up in this business, my dad produced as well. 
uh, we're like, let's create the opportunities for ourselves, but let's also make content that we believe in, that we really love, and that we want to see, that we would want to audition for. Uh-huh. And uh, we have a we have a te- we have a full development company. We have a show with Netflix. Wow. Uh, a ten episode animation series with Netflix. I, I don't think I can say talking about secretive. I can't talk too much about it. Oh, so uh, it's not on Netflix yet. It, it'll come out next year, twenty twenty one. Okay. Well, we'll be on the lookout for that. Yeah. I'll send it all out um but we and we just produced a a big movie that i was an actor and that my brother directed and our company produced it was called this is the year mm-hmm. and it was the first ever live virtual premiere ever um of a movie because uh and it was a it was a, a covid relief benefit event uh-huh. um, where you could watch the movie like this and interact with the cast after the movie and we had Jeff Garland was in it. Selena Gomez was the executive producer. Wow. Uh, we had an awesome all-star cast that was in it. So the the dream role. I mean, I'm having so much fun producing that I just want to I just want to make good content and make good TV shows and movies. Um, so I think that's that's majority of my focus. And if that dream role pops up, I'm ready. Um, and I I would love to be part of a franchise again, a, a big series. Uh, before before Fear the Walking Dead, I was up for a few big uh, franchises, and that that hunger and that thirst is in me. That co- that competitiveness of me is there because you know I didn't quite get it, but I was you know the second guy up. Yeah. Um. So I'm 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 mentally ready. What is the name of you and your dad's production company, if you don't mind? So. Yeah, it's called it's called Novo Media Group. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Now, uh, as our final question, because we are almost out of time. Yes, uh, yes. When did you start? Uh, I know you were your career started like around sure. you, when you were around 11. When did you know that acting was the thing that you wanted to pursue? At which stage in your life? Senior year of high school. What yeah, did I- anything trigger it? <clears throat> I think, yeah, I think senior year, I was, you know, 18 years old. And I think that's an age where you're like, you're becoming your own man. You're becoming your own person. You want to, you know, take control of your life. And I, I I grew up knowing one thing in life and that's, that's performing. And, you know, I, I, I like any kid they, that played sports or played, you know, was a, in theater or whatever, you know, extracurricular activity. It was, it was pure fun for me until I turned 17, 18 years old and I started getting close to really major series, really major movies. Yeah. And I was like, man, I could really, this could be sustainable the rest of my life um, to do this. Um, but I also knew how how rare it is to actually book a Fear of the Walking Dead, to book a major movie. So I always knew if it's not gonna work out, I'm gonna bust my butt and do whatever I can to provide for myself, provide for a future family. And I always knew that, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let this, you know, even though I have the talents there, I'm not gonna let it bring me down as a human person. I could use those talents in any other job sector in my life. And, and that's what I hope every person does, whether it's podcasting, YouTubing, you know, real estate, a janitor, this or that, you can use your talents in any sector of, of, of the workforce and, and you don't have to let that bring you down. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with you. Do you ever 
uh, regret the decision that you made knowing the success that you have faced and you're still so young your career has still has so much success ahead of it is there any Thank point you. where you might second question you second guess and regret it you know that's a great question i think it was uh it was right before i booked fear the walking dead that 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 very thought popped into my head because i was uh i was getting really close like i said to some major franchises i was up for the maze runner i was up for the giver i was up for um several other the bumblebee movie with the transformers uh -huh. um and i was getting really i was despairing i was like you know what maybe it's not my calling i'm i'm maybe that's a sign that i should just leave and uh i i i was i was getting really desperate like anyone would the, having those feelings of despair and sort of uh sadness and and going into fear the walking dead i was like there's no way i'm getting this show there's no way i'm getting this show I just got close to all these movies. I'm barely going to get this. And in my head, I was like, this is my last audition ever. I'm wow. done with acting. And I got slapped in the face because I got I auditioned for it. I got a callback right away, director section the, the next week. And then they offered me the role. Good job, man. I'm so wow. glad that that's such a brilliant, awesome story. And I hope it inspires a lot of our viewers who are watching right now and i guess guys the overall theme is don't give up okay yep. go for your dream don't give up lorenzo it has been an honor talking to you thank for you this so last hour thank you so much for joining us thank you to all our viewers who tuned in tonight um again lorenzo it's been a pure yeah. honor thank you so much for being here with us guys stay safe i'll be back on the air again tomorrow night and remember Stay walking. Good night. Have a good one, brother. Bye.